Welcome to this latest episode of Comeback, where we'll be focusing on business, hospitality, and female empowerment. Three topics that I really like to shed light on here in Vietnam. And I'm really looking forward to discussing this with my guest today, who is Leo from Vietnam, the founder of Sintolina, and also the former general manager at Burma Not A Bar. We're going to dive more into these topics, and I can't wait. Leo, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure, actually. And I saw you on Facebook and doing work for Javel's article. Shout out Javel, a great guest. And thought, yeah, this would be a great conversation. So I'm delighted to have you here. And a starting point that I always give to guests, just to give a general overview. Whereabouts are you actually from in Vietnam? And what was it like there growing up? Um, first of all, well, hello, my name is Leo. And um, I'm from Nha Trang originally. Um, it's one of the most beautiful and big city in Vietnam. But I moved to Saigon in 2004, and I've been living here ever since. Mm. I came to uh, Saigon to study for uh, business administration, and then um, I moved forward to study interior design. But then I ended up working in hospitality, and also I have a small fashion brand called Sintolina. Mm. Yeah, that's quite a mixture. We have business, yes, I know, right? Interior design. <laughs> Yeah, this seems like you know quite a variety of options, and I look forward to exploring more. But I suppose, firstly, why business? As in, what were you like growing up uh, in terms of maybe your personality, and how did that draw you to business? Um, I think it has everything to do with my um, my parents. First of all, my dad he he was working in hospitality industry for over twenty five years. He was the director of a beach resort in Nha Trang and my mom she uh, she was an accountant and uh, growing up I was always like following my dad um, to his work and like hosting people around and my dad always um, takes people like musicians from Saigon to um, island tour so I'm always with him you know like showing people around and eating seafood we didn't which is my favorite part. Yeah, of course. And I observed um, my dad um, talking to people, making sure everything's okay. So I guess all of that passion uh, I inherit from my dad a lot. And um, I, I like doing business. I, I remember when I was a kid, every um, every year when we have like women days or um, yeah, mostly women day, I would get you know um, ask my dad for a couple of you know, bucks, money, and can I have some money, and I would buy roses, and I would get my friends to make like cards, and just like stand in front of the school, and sell them, so I think I, I started yeah. at the... You had that acumen for quite a <laughs> Yes. Yeah, that's lovely, and yeah. also, I can imagine when working with your dad in the Trang, and having people come from Saigon, you would meet quite a mix of people from different backgrounds, was that how it was? I think so, like Saigon, um, you know Saigon, I, I never intended to stay. As a very young girl from Nha Trang, my, my idea was very simple. Okay, I went for college and I would come back after university for four years, I come back to Nha Trang, being around with my family, find a job, find a, you know, nine to five, a normal, stable life. Sure. But Saigon got me, like Saigon, has opened my eyes in so many different ways. I got to meet with like a 
lot of different people coming from different backgrounds, different country, and Saigon is a very um, dynamic yes. uh, city. has has a very young, energetic vibe, and it just got me into you know the flow, and it was like, okay, maybe I don't come back anymore. Yeah, <laughs> maybe I just stay. And I've been staying here for seventeen years. 17 I know, right? It's <laughs> extraordinary. And I know this, this might be tricky because 17 years is a huge period. Yeah. How has Saigon evolved since then? Because now we have this you know, ultra-modern city and it's bustling and it's vibrant. Has that always been the case or have you noticed an evolution over time? Of course, there's a ovulation, um, sorry, um, evolution. evolution over time, of course. And like back in the day, I would say 10 years ago, there was not so many foreigners. There was not so many Vietnamese people who can speak English and um, there was not open topic for anything. You know, there's no uh, entrepreneurship for young Vietnamese. There's not, there was not many opportunity open. If you have an idea, maybe it's really difficult to execute it. But now with the, you know, uh, the internet booming, uh, information is everywhere and the young people, they can access to own kind of uh, resources. And if you want to do something, you can actually do it. Mm. But like before, it's, it's, it was very challenging, I would say. And even like the, the mentality, the people mentality was still very close-minded. Even now, it's not so wide open, but I could see that it's like rapidly changing. Yeah, I see. And we are going to talk about both business and hospitality in terms of your career. But let's first talk about the business side of things then. So once you'd arrived to Saigon here, what were your first kind of business ventures? Was that Sintelina or do we have to fast forward for that? Uh, no, Sintelina, uh, I started in 2014. Well, it was my, f uh, my first um, business. Mm. But like before I used to work for um, Bose, you know, like the speaker company. Yes. Uh, as a salesperson, I used to work for many different environments like a digital marketing agency. Um, I used to work for education agencies as well. And I get involved with like business development um, aspect. And I just, I just like the idea of like um, talking to people and introduce, uh, introduce people to like good products. So I think that's how mm. I developed like the liking of having business and one day I just want to have something on my own. Yeah, I see. And what sort of, I suppose, character traits or skills do you think that you have that enables you to do this work? Are you a people person? Are you persistent? How, what sort of traits do you think you um, have? I don't think there's any tricks I have, I have, to, uh, I have to address. Um, it has to come with your own personality, I think. Uh, for me, um, I'm a people person. Um, like again, like I said, I love talking to people. I, I love making sure everybody, everybody having a good time and enjoying like the the work, the quality of my service. And also, I'm an organized person. In I think in order to to do business, also um, you need to be very persistent. Uh, I think which I have a lot of patience to follow through things. Sometimes it's um, it takes time, and sometimes it's um, 
everybody has their own pace, but you need to be like very, very persistent. And you need to really believe in what you're doing. Because if you don't believe in what you're doing, then nobody else do, nobody else does, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah so uh, for me, when I started uh, Sindolina, I believe in my, in my uh, design, I believe in my product, because I wanted to give people the feeling of um, being themselves on a daily vacation. And ev I think everything dated back from my, my own uh, origin, because I, I'm from Nechiang, I grew up at the beach. I'm, I'm a beach lover. I love the sea, the sun, I love being outdoor. And also, when I was a kid, I used to follow my mom to go to markets to search for fabric. And then we would take the fabric to the tailor in front of our house and make and customize something unique and something you know uh, that suit um, my personality. Sure. And I think like that just goes with me along the line when I grow up. And also my sister, she used to have a secondhand store, and uh, you know she buys and sell a lot of different secondhand clothes. And I love them. I just uh, sometimes I just love the clothes not because of the style, but maybe like because of the pattern maybe because of the material and then I would just cut this cut that and modify that suit my personality cool. so I think with all of that childhood um, in, and then combined with my father's business um, mentality everything combined that makes who I am today yeah, yeah. it seems as if you combined all these skills that you've learned yeah. whether it be the designing or from your father from your mother yeah. and brought together yeah, that's quite powerful. And when I was looking at your page, I saw that Sintelina, you are the founder. And is it correct that you're also a designer? Yes. Yeah. Can you tell me then, just tell me a bit more about Sintelina. What was it like taking on both those roles and how did you develop Sintelina from the early days over time? So for Sintelina, um, initially, it was a very simple idea of um, creating clothes that for myself actually <laughs> because I couldn't really find something that I like in Saigon um, in general so I just started to again finding fabric making something for myself and then um, my friend just keep asking where do you buy your clothes say it's really nice and you know and I tell them yeah I just design them myself and um, I never studied fashion design but I studied interior design so um, I, I would apply the same principle in interior design that you work with existing material, you work with what you, you have. So my way of doing is I would just buy fabric I like and then I would turn into some shape and design that you know that's suitable for to use that fabric. And if, and um, for the first two years uh, for Sintelina, I I didn't have a shop, I didn't even have a website or anything, and I just uh, sell my clothes at the Saigon Outcast oh, at yes. flea markets. Mm. Yeah, you've been to Saigon Outcast? Uh, yeah, 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 a few times. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, so I was like selling my clothes uh, mainly there, and um, I just use uh, the profit to pay for uh, my tuition, uh, my tuition fee uh, for the interior design. Right. Okay. Yeah. I, I even then I didn't have any idea um, how to start a business, and I didn't even think about like, okay, let's start a business. Until one day, a friend of mine, Anne, well, she's not anymore, but if she's, if you're looking, 
if you're listening to this podcast, hello. Uh, so she used to work at uh, Cocois. Now it's Luzin. Ah, yes. So yes. before Luzin, it was Cocois. And she asked me, like, hey, Leo, do you want to sell your clothes at you know the store? We have, um, we have a retail space, and it would be lovely to have your clothes there. Like, okay, all right, uh, why not? But um, in order to do that, I need to have a business license. Mm. So I was like, all right, then let's register. So I registered Sintolina um, as a business uh, in 2016. And since then, it just keep growing. And I ha- now I have a lot of um, people, not only in Saigon, but also like people in France, in um, Spain, reaching out because they love this kind of clothes, bohemian, loose, fitting um, design. Very floral, very flowy. Um, so yeah. And this might be slightly difficult, but on your business journey from Sintelina, when you registered, I suppose over the years, what are some of the key lessons that you learned around business or about yourself? What are some lessons that really stand out for you? Some lessons, I think one of the most standout lessons is how to deal with tailors, how to do, um, how to communicate with them. Because, um, you know, when you decide something, you need to, of course, you need to make a prototype, right? And after a prototype approved, then you go into production. But sometimes the prototype, it takes a few time to correct, to have the perfect design as you want. But even then, when, when it goes to production, what can go wrong goes wrong. So, um, and sometimes it's very challenges because if it's go wrong, then you gotta send back to fix this, to fix that. So my lesson is um, like to, to stay on top of things, first of all, and, com- and find a way to communicate very, very clear what you want to the tailor. Because sometimes some tailors will just change your design, like, oh, I think this is better, you know, without telling you in advance. They would just do it, and then they would give it back to you, and like, oh, but this is not what I ordered. This is not what I wanted. Um, so yeah, that's a very um, big lesson for me, because it's time consuming, time wasting, uh, material, resources, money, everything could be wasted. And sometimes we don't think prototype is you know, such a simple thing, and it would cost so much money, but if you don't do this right, then the whole uh, process uh, after is going to be wasted. Right, I see. Yeah, uh-huh. That is important. That's supposed to be yeah. clear in your communication. Would you say that's a fair assessment? Is to tell people exactly where you want, what you want, and be honest from the outset. Is that something that's important for you, kind of being honest straight away? Exactly. And another um, lesson for me is customer service. That um, I need to, I always try to listen more uh, from feedback when customers tell me like, a lot, like at the beginning, a lot of people tell me, I really like your design, but it's for skinny girls only, you know? Like, uh, yeah, so I'm not comfortable with like showing off the open back dresses so much. I love the style, but I can't, it's not for me. So it, keep, it got me thinking like, why is that? Why is it not for somebody? And 
So I observe and I, I learn about woman physique because Asian women, we have different body types. Uh, Western women, they are so different. And the sizes, Western sizes and Asian sizes like completely different scale. So I need to balance this out uh, if I want to serve um, wider uh, customers. And uh, reality is like 70% of my customers are foreigners because I, I learned how to adapt to their um, body type, but still like keeping my own design. Mm. So uh, taking feedback um, along the journey is very, very important. Yeah. yeah, and with feedback, I suppose how do you filter out good advice from bad advice? How do you work out what is worth listening to? Oh, that's uh, interesting because um, I don't think I ever found any advice that's not worth listening to. I think like all advices, they would, they would be right in certain time. Maybe some advice at that right moment, maybe it's not, um, it's not suitable for you to, to listen to, but I would, I would keep it. I would just note down everything and, uh, you know, like someday, for example, um, a lot of friends tell me, why don't you sell to Europe? Why don't you open a store in Europe? Why don't you um, work with, you know, um, like concept store in Europe? Sure, why not? But at that time, would I be able to? Um, I, I would say like four years ago, I wouldn't be able to because um, the production scale was very, very small. Now it's too small because I want to keep it uh, boutique kind of uh, style, like um, exclusive for everyone. But if I want to reach out to like further market, then I need to scale up. So yeah. at that time, I wouldn't be able to. But now, maybe it's the right time to reach out to, to um, wider uh, customers. Right, I see. Something like that. Yeah, no, I, I like that. I like the fact that you mentioned you can't discard any. It all has a purpose, whether it yeah. be relevant at the time or not. And I do like that. And I suppose that you know, we've touched base on the business side of things. Now with hospitality, um, I saw that you were a general manager at Bruma. Um, how did, I suppose, your hospitality um, venture begin? How did you decide to go down that route? <laughs> um, would you believe me if I told you this is like totally by chance? I'd believe you. Yeah? yeah I think so. So uh, 2012, I was working for XCMC Life, it's a digital magazine, and I was um, an account manager, so I had, uh, I had to go looking for clients, um, basically, and I was, somehow I was very interested in uh, the F&B uh, business, well, industry. So I went to meet with a lot of um, restaurants owners, bar owners, and you know, at that time, there's no, um, I think that people didn't really use much Facebook at that time. Uh, there was no Instagram. There was not so many um, medias to cover about the F&B. Mm. And the company I was working for, basically we were covering everything. We were covering the nightlife. We were covering like discovery about Saigon, where to eat, where to drink, where to party. So I got involved with the, the nightlife because uh, I went to a lot of musical um, events and 
one uh, and then one day I met with Austin, uh, one of Brahma's owner, and Brahma became my client. <laughs> so we signed a contract, and after a few meetings, Austin just asked me, "Hey, do you wanna come to join the team uh, doing marketing and events?" And I was like, "Yeah, why not?" So I said yes, and it was just a part-time job, and I was, I was like, I was immediately interested because it's like something new, something like oh, I never imagined myself working in the bar, yeah, you know, sure. like doing marketing and event, and I never studied anything of that, but um, something about Austin like convinced me, like let's go, let's just let's just do it. Yeah. And at that time, Roma was just open for only six months. And so I started um, working at Roma as a marketing and event organizer. So I had to like also go a lot uh, of different bars looking for, to look for um, magicians to make events. And then we get like a lot of, we get into contact with a lot of DJs. Um, and then after two years, I, um, I got to manage, um, I got to take care of not only events and marketing anymore, but like also like social media, customer service, and then training staff. And eventually my journey with Broma extended eight and a half years. Yeah. Wow, that's so, extraordinary. Yeah. yeah, like it's like a, time flies like a blink of a night. It does, yeah. And yeah. when you think of that, period then in your life, the eight and a half years of Roma, what stands out for you as perhaps the highlights? Are there any any moments, any nights, any events, any periods of time that you think, wow, that was really something? Ooh, too many. <laughs> There's way too many good memories, to be honest, because Roma is a place that keeps changing and evolving i would say every almost every year or every two years Roma has shifted to a different face and appearance as well Roma started with a very tiny room with a tiny rooftop and with the scale of Roma right now i would say like maybe five times bigger and before Roma was an underground um, kind of place, but now, and before the Winter Street, uh, Roma was invisible. Like you couldn't, you, you wouldn't see Roma from the street. You would, you know, like by chance explore Roma because we didn't even want to advertise as much because it's it's kind of a hidden place. That's what we wanted, and. We wanted for Broma to be a free drink. So you would come to Broma, have a drink and go somewhere else. But it turned out the opposite. We became like a super late night bar and like sometimes we would stay open all the way up to 7 a.m. at the very beginning. And then um, when they started Winter Street construction, people thought well, Broma was closed. And like during that six years, we were still opening but of course like, everything changes and we took that opportunity to shift Broma to a different place. Um, so now Broma is like more visible and have completely different demography. And um, 
before Ibroma had like 70%, up to 80% foreigners uh, as customers, and now it's 50 50. Now more Vietnamese people come, and like also like cool, young, hipsters, they also come to Bromma. Yeah, definitely. And for me, Bromma has always stood out a bit. When I think of other bars in Vietnam, often, you know, you can say same, same. I think Buddha, High Tide, those come to mind. Bromma, it kind of stands in its own right. What do you think it? <coughs> What do you think it is about Broma that makes it stand alone in such a unique fashion? What makes Broma unique? I think first of all is um, location. And um, the location is like right in the prime, I would say it's the prime location. And because of the, um, the rooftop, it's open space and because of the unfinished looking, make Roma is a very laid back kind of um, space. It's not like, you know, super fancy rooftop or anything. And, and the music, I think also the music, we don't play Wiener House. <laughs> we don't really play EDM. There's nothing wrong with that, but it just, it's not our kind of music. And since the very beginning, like Roma uh, stick to uh, techno, uh, electronic music, uh, house, deep house, that kind of vibe, and and persistent, like really persistent with the you know the music, uh, the style, and it's a it's a laid back kind of ambience that Roma provides, mm. and also like the, the the staff I would say, the people of Roma, we treat people, we treat customer as friends, and with respect, of course. We don't really um, try to be pretentious, like, hello, sir, or this and that. Again, there's nothing wrong with that, but it's just not Broma. Right. Like, yeah. Do you know why we say Broma not a bar? No, I don't, and I'm really excited. To, oh, I think I know. Not a bar, because it's not a bar after a certain time. <laughs> Is that why? No. no? Um, Broma means a joke in Spanish. That's why Broma is not a bar, but it's a joke. Ah, right. And how did you come up with that name then, Broma, not a bar? Well, actually, initially, we um, we just called it Broma. We didn't add not a bar. The, uh, the not a bar came up later. Yeah. Right. Because, okay. you know, like a lot, we have a lot, we attract a lot of uh, Spanish-speaking people when it comes to Broma. Because they say the name, hey, Broma, it's so fun, so yeah. they, they would come up. But um, the name come from uh, Austin, the one of Broma's owner. He knows, uh, he knows the meaning, and he really, really want to uh, stick with it, Broma. And then later on, he's the one who add another bar. Excellent. Yeah, I love that. Because that we, we just wanna have fun. We just wanna be, you know, nothing serious. Because what's the point? You, like people go to work, nine to five, nine to six, and after that, they just wanna out they just want to chill they just want to you know lay low and be themselves so it's a joke not a bar right? yeah, yeah. No, i love that and as we briefly discussed earlier i've had some very fun nights at Bremer, like some very memorable ones that i'll put once i leave saigon i'll put definitely in the archives and the memories so yeah i think you've done a great job with that and i suppose i have to ask then how come your Bremer journey came to an end if i may ask you well Everything, every journey 
you know, how at least you, at some point you need to stop. Yeah, of end. Because, again, um, I was with Roma since the very beginning, and it was eight and a half years. Um, I think eight and a half years is a very, very long period of time for a career. And I wanted to have something new. I wanted to have new challenges, I would say. Right. And I want to keep learning, I want to keep growing. Uh, for me, in a career, if I stop learning, I get bored. If I stop growing, um, if I stop develop myself, I get bored. So at Roma, I reached to the point as a general manager. Of course, there's still a lot of things to learn, but I think I had enough. Like what I learned, the whole journey with Roma from marketing, from social media, from customer service, from nightlife, from hosting events, many, many like countless um, events. Uh, I want something new. And for nightlife, for almost nine years for a woman, I would say sometimes it's a bit tiring because, mm -hmm. you know, you cannot really go on holidays whenever you want. Um, like weekends when people go have fun, have party, is when you have to work. When it comes to, let's say, Christmas, New Year's Eve, that's when we have to work for like maybe 14 hours or even more. For example, New Year's Eve, we could have up to like 300 people for one night. But like our ship, my ship would start at 2 p.m. like taking, you know, like people uh, would come early to get like the last chance tickets and we would have to stay all the way up to like 6 7 a.m. in the morning so um, eventually everything about a bit tiring yeah, you know sure. yeah yeah and that is actually a nice I suppose transition into the challenges aspect of this and aside from that are there any other main challenges from business and hospitality that have really been difficult for you or that really stand out um, for me, the difficulties in um, my nightlife work, besides the, the late night shift, I would say also is the um, life balance, work-life mm -hmm. balance. Because for me, at the very beginning, I was doing like three, three things at a time. I was studying interior design in the daytime, uh, running my own business in Dolina at the same time. And night time, I have to be at the bar. And also, I was already in a relationship with my husband now. Uh, so, I, so then I would say four things at a time. Yeah, so it was, it was uh, very difficult for me to balance everything out. And bringing back the, um, the holidays, whenever we want to go on holidays, when um, my friends, they have some times off, I cannot take time off. And it was extremely difficult to to get together, you know, to, to have fun, to actually enjoy life. Another challenge is another challenge I would I would mention um, is about dealing with like drunk customers. You know, if if you work in a restaurant, it's very rare that you would <laughs> encounter a drunk person, right? Yeah. But like for nightlife. And a place like Roma, open all the way up to 5 a.m. 
or even you know after party then of course uh, there's a like numerous occasion we have to deal with drunk people and drunk people they drunk you cannot resonate with them you cannot just talk them out of things right you can't you just have to offer them some water sit down relax chill and that's it right. and sometimes people just forget to pay the bill you know and who would take responsibility us sometimes the staff sometimes you know the whole team but sometimes we have some nice people they would come back hey guys i forgot to pay the bill can i pay but sometimes we just cannot handle everything yeah, and like for one night uh, on the weekend at roma you, you said you never been to, uh, to roma in the night time right? uh, not no not in the night time okay no. so um some of the the weekends like whenever we have uh, bobby playing for the hip-hop delight night we had like maybe up to 200 people well come and go but like when we get busy we get really really busy and yeah and if one person drunk he could knock out everything he could be rude he could be this and that and also being a woman dealing with that kind of situation um i have to i have to look tough basically you know because at Roma we don't have any security we don't mm -hmm. have security guard and staff they i would say they're too young uh, a little bit immature to handle this kind of situation so as a manager i have to be the face so i have to i would say i i use my charm to disarm nice. so i don't need to be violent i don't need to to be i need to look tough but i don't i don't need to be you know like super violent or rude it just you know take your time chill yeah. offer water and that's it would it ever i don't know perhaps intimidate or scare you you know if there are a few drunk people and you know you have to sort it would it ever i don't know would you ever think oh i don't really want to do this or are you quite good at just realizing it's the challenge and just going for it I think um, I have good instinct. I have I, I could realize like the challenges, and of course, sometimes I I encounter to you know some drunk people or even not even drunk, but like they want to take advantage. I'm a girl, right? I'm a woman, and sometimes they would to want to talk to you, and they have some um, I would say inappropriate gesture. And I think I um, I react very quickly in a way that wouldn't humiliate the customer, but still like keep a distance for myself. And I think um, I have that kind of uh, quick reaction thanks to my dad. Both my parents are kung fu master, so I um, I don't I didn't really train with them much, but I think you know, I got um, I got it from them. I, I love being a society, I love sport. So that's why my reaction, um, I got a skill, like, so I, I recognize that kind of situation very quickly and I just move. Yes, yeah. deal with it decisively. I like that. Yeah. And it brings me nicely onto our next topic, which is this, um, we recently had Women's Day here in Vietnam. Uh, I saw you on Chappelle's article and it has struck me in the last three years that almost any industry you're in, it's slightly more difficult in some cases a lot more just because you're a woman and I think there has to be a lot of changes there 
but especially within both business and hospitality. So if you don't mind, can you talk to me a bit about being a woman in these industries and what sort of challenges have been posed as a result? Um, in my career, being a woman, to be honest, I think um, it doesn't really matter being woman or men in any career. It depends on your mindset, right? Physically, I'm a woman, but I think menta uh, mentally, I'm a man. I, I get things done. It doesn't matter I'm a woman or not. Of course, there's some disadvantage or advantage being one gender or another. But again, like I would bring back to, um, you know, sometimes I have to deal with like inappropriate gesture from the customer. But maybe that's, that's the only challenge I have during my career. But for the rest, I think because I, I, I was very serious in my job. So even like when men talk to me, I could feel there's some uh, respect. So I think um, it depends on your mentality. It depends on your mindset, whether you're a woman or not. Mm -hmm. uh, when, you, when you are a woman, actually you have a lot of advantages. You know, being a woman, actually being a woman, when uh, people come to you, even like when a tough guy talks to you, he would tone down a bit. You know, if you're a man, if, imagine you're a man and you have to deal with like another man bigger than you and he's strong and he would just, you know, um, try to look tough or he would just really, uh, he would get ready for a fight. But when it's a woman, he would easily chill out. So I think being woman in the industry, maybe there's some advantages. You just need to exploit Excellent. your advantages. Yeah, great advice. And Women's Day was recently here in Vietnam. I believe it was Vietnamese Women's Day officially. What does that mean to you as a day? What I, I believe you mentioned it earlier, actually, when we talked about your upbringing and whether there were events such as Women's Day. What does that day represent for you? Good question. <laughs> I never really thought about it. Oh, Vietnamese Woman Day, to me, is kind of a reminder about my mom and my sisters and Vietnamese women around me, like rather than myself, you know. And I think it's a reminder that you, we all should appreciate women more, not just only one day, but it's a special day to remind to to show your appreciation to the woman who who raised you who gave birth to you and all the women around you you know yeah sure yeah, so to me it's um it's a good reminder yeah and do you have that we discussed i think just before the chat a, a personal project related to women and women's day is that correct yes yeah that's correct tell me a bit more about that so um I have this personal project that I've been thinking about and I've been, I think like I, I am going to get started. It's in my head for such a long time. I think probably because of uh, my uh, social appearance that a lot of women individually would come to me and seek advices in um, you know, life in general or sometimes about relationship. And um, 
sometimes I, I feel like women, we don't understand uh, our own value enough. We always put ourselves second or even third, fourth. We always put, you know, family first, husband, boyfriend, but within ourselves, we always put us after everything else. And I think this is not correct. Why would you do that? I think it has to do with like the culture and Vietnamese women are expected to to take care of, you know, the house, to take care of the kids, the children. Um, Vietnamese women are not expected to to have any hobbies, to have any passion. But in my opinion, women deserve better than that. Women, we we deserve to pursue our dreams. We um, we should be able to um, express ourselves better, to communicate better. We we should be women should be encouraged to do what she wants. And um, also, uh, there's another topic about women that I I would I would love to address. It's about sex, because like sex in Vietnam is something taboo, right? Like not um, really publicly talked about. And a lot of well. This is a personal story I would like to share. I went to a quad team camp in uh, beginning of June and of May and for three weeks. And I was in a camp with four other girls. And one of them has uh, two husbands, well, divorced and then remarried. And the other two, one with broken marriage and the other one's also uh, married, has a, has a child. But none of them have fully understand about sex, about relationship and they, they're so afraid they're so afraid of you know like expressing themselves with the husband they're so afraid of getting the husband to understand their body and having the actual pleasure you know when you make love right and in their head they think that it's a woman's job to pleasure the man why is that? I was, I was not really shocked, but I was a bit surprised because, oh my gosh, we are in the 21st century and we are in the modern world and these people, they're young, they're only like 22, 24 and how come they still think about make love, about relationship, about themselves in this way? So, and it's got me thinking like, and then I started sharing my experience. Uh, I have a Spanish uh, husband. I've been in relationship, like many different relationships with like foreigners before. Of course, I learned a hard way. I was one very, not really shy Vietnamese uh, girl, but I was, I didn't have the Western understanding culture. I didn't have that kind of understanding. And it took me a long time to figure out, okay, when you say you seen somebody it's different when you are in a relationship right like we didn't know that <laughs> like like in vietnam we would assume okay when you go out when you give a kiss when you you know hold your hands or when you make love for the first time boom your boyfriend girlfriend but it's not the case and there's so many people still don't understand it and so i just want to share 
I just want, I wouldn't say educate, but I would say I would like to share my experience, my life experience to, to more um, Vietnamese women mm. so they can have a better understanding and they can have like a better choice for their, their life, yeah. for their emotion, for, you know, just, just, just be responsible for your own life. Nobody else. That's it. Not the man, not the husband, not the boyfriend, not, not the parents. Yourself. Yeah. yeah, I love that message. And I suppose, what do you think can be done to perhaps address this for Vietnamese women? Address the fact that you don't need to be dependent on somebody else or that you can have your own career, etc. Or address outdated stereotypes related to sex or anything else. What do you think could be done to perhaps raise awareness, educate, or really allow these women to understand this message? Mm. So I think um, it's had to it's had to be first of all address it, and not just only address it, but also need to show them how to overcome these kind of challenges, right? So it would come to education. You know, the funny thing is I've been thinking about my name, Leo. Yes. Like my the initial of my, my name, L-E-O, and what is the meaning behind it? And I come to a conclusion is every one of us, we are observers, we are learners, and we are educators. So that's, that's in my name, the initial LEO, like learning, learning. Um, educate, observe. observe. Yeah, right. so I would like to um, find a way to deliver this kind of message. Because in general, you observe things, and when you observe, you will learn. But when you learn, you need to have the intention to educate, to teach somebody else. Because whatever you do, in a way, you would teach somebody a lesson even without you knowing it. So back to your question, what could be done to um, um, you know, raise uh, awareness and everything? I think it's everything. Aware raise awareness first, educate them, and then get the people, when they understand, they become educator, and then they will teach you know, for the next generation. Right. Because my, I think I feel like this is my new mission in life to, to share and to to give back to what I know because it just keeps in my head and I, I want to do something about it. I want to give back to the community, I want to give back to the society and I want you know a a future where people appreciate each other, women are um, you know able to take charge of their life become more leaders, become more something, become whatever they want. So I want to see that and I want my, my future children to grow up in a society full of development, self-development. Mm -hmm. And that brings me very nicely to the next question, which is related to self-development for yourself, Leo. Um, you've obviously done well in business and hospitality and you've taken responsibility for your own circumstances, etc. All which takes a level of self-awareness and also, uh, I suppose, self-improvement. We've mentioned themes such as growing over time. What sort of things do you do to make sure that you're on top of your game? Do you have any tips, 
techniques, practices, rituals that you like to do to stay focused and stay successful? I would say, well, thank you for the question. I think it's a very interesting one. Um, myself, I do a lot of exercise. And lately, I, I started doing meditation. So every day I would, um, I would do like 10 to 15 minutes uh, of meditation. Just put my earpods and listen to like very calm, soothing music. And I would visualize what I want in life. I would visualize the next step, who I want to become, what I want to uh, have. And even though I don't have it yet, but I would visualize everything in my head. And I would do exercise very regularly. And I think this is also uh, an advice for, for people who want to enter any kind of industry, especially uh, hospitality, you need to do exercise. You need to have a very uh, healthy physical, healthy diet. Um, beside doing exercise, I keep learning. Um, if I don't know anything, I will search for it. Um, find your own passion. And if you don't have a passion, find a hobby, find something, just do, just try things out. Just, just do whatever makes you happy. Um, keep a record so you can write down okay when you do this how do you feel if you're happy or not if you uh, are you fulfilling or not and if not okay cross next one so I will say that just just keep learning and keep reinvent yourself don't get comfortable don't get too comfortable um, don't be scared I would say yeah because it I think it takes a lot of courage to try new things, to step out of your comfort zone. But if you don't take the first step, which is stepping out of your comfort zone, then you would never succeed. Yeah, and I love the bit you mentioned there about staying healthy in your body and your diet, because in an industry like hospitality, we're rushing around regularly, it's quite a physically demanding job. Yes. So if you're not in good shape and in good condition, then you will really suffer as a result. That's probably overlooked I find I'm not sure if you agree I do agree mm. and the thing the sad thing is not many people re, re, um, recognize this problem because like I often tell my staff like whatever you do of course I know that some of you have school in the daytime and then nighttime you have to work but just maybe even 15 minutes per day you do some exercise if you give you a better stamina you know like you could endure the long working hour better and if you don't do this after one year two years your health is gonna go like this like going down the slope yeah. and you wouldn't be you wouldn't be able to enjoy life because the whatever you do whatever whatever work you do i think it has to be balanced with working and enjoy life so if you don't have a good diet you don't have a good health then you cannot do either one yeah yeah it's the foundations reminds me of a quote you don't make time for exercise you have to make time for illness so <laughs> yeah. choose wisely no yeah. i love that and i guess we are coming to the end of the conversation but before we wrap up what are some behaviors or habits traits that you really value in the people that you surround yourself with 
both personally and professionally, such as perhaps honesty or drive, ambition, are there any behaviours that really stand out for you that you really find important? I think to me the only the only uh, behaviour that I find important is honest. Because without being honest, you cannot move anywhere. Like for I think like for my experience, I came um, across a lot of people dishonest. And I find it's very heartbreaking, you know. If you have a problem, talk to me. If you cannot deal with something, talk to me. Don't come up with excuses because by the end of the day, you just ruin everything. Ruin everybody's effort and wasting your time and wasting other people's time. So just being honest. So that's for me the top, the very top behavior. And the second one would be discipline. But I mean, but to me, in a person value, honest is a key. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, coming to the end of the conversation, Leo, what's next? What would you like to achieve going forward? Uh, this can be in your business, uh, personal life. What would you like to achieve in the next couple of years, say? In the next couple of years, um, I look forward to developing uh, Sindalina, my own business. Um, I don't have a store anymore. I might reopen the store one day. Uh, so now I'm focusing on um, e-commerce. And what I've been learning is SEO, <laughs> and like WordPress platform. And I really want to bring Sintelina to wider customer, like more approachable for uh, people around the world. And I want to deliver uh, the message through Sintelina is people can uh, assess high quality clothes with affordable price and coming from Vietnam. And I want people to know that Vietnam, we can also make good clothes and with good design. Uh, for the personal project, uh, I would like to focus on the, the women project that I already mentioned. And I would like to see more and more female um, leaders. Excellent. Yeah. Where can we find out more about you online or on social media? Um, at the moment, um, you can find me on um, Instagram or Facebook or through Sintelina website, sintelina.com and in the very uh, near future, I'm going to have my own website uh, about a woman-focused website as well. I'm still thinking of the name, but um, I've been talking to a lot of uh, women in who, ha who share the same idea with me, like we want to also help other in needs. So when it's come out, I'll let you know. Yeah. I'll keep you posted. I look forward to it. <laughs> thank you. Leo, thank you. I've really enjoyed this. I think there are so many messages that people will take away, uh, whether they be in business, hospitality, be it your Vietnamese lady, etc. I think this will do really well. So thank you very much for your time. I've really appreciated it and all the very best with your future projects. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. Thank you.